All right. Good evening. Hope you are all doing well. Today we're learning Maseches Subos Daf Tzadi Beis and um, the first two thirds of Tzadi Gimel Amid Aleph, and then on Shabbos we'll learn the balance of Tzadi Gimel as well as Daf Tzadi Dalid. Um, and then there's going to be a whole schedule post that I think Sunday morning we're learning Daf after the early minyan, and then everything else is going to be posted. But otherwise, there's no way to keep on track. <laughs> we're starting two thirds of the way down on Tzadi Aleph Amid Beis. <clears throat> And the Gemara says as follows. Ahu Gavra, that's what we're starting from. Ahu Gavra and Shachiv. He owed someone a hundred zuz and then he died. Shavak, he had left over Ketina Da'ara, a small portion of land, to have a Shavya, Chamshin Zuze. And that piece of property was worth 50. Asa Balcho, the Katarifle, and somebody who he had to collect, someone who was able to collect from him, they were Katarif, they took this 50 Zuz property. He was owed 100. He took the first 50. Azul Yasme, the Yisomim of the person who died, uh, they went over to this person, they gave him 50 Zuz and then took the property back. So now they have the property, the Balsolves 50 Zuz. And then this guy still owed another 50 Zuz. He says, thanks, now I'll take the property too. You've given me 50 in cash and you took the property back. But the property is worth 50 and you still owe me 50. So give me the property back for the second time. So the question is, is that valid? Who really owns that property? Is that, here's the Lamdusha question here. Once the, once the Yisomim have paid him for the property and took it back, is it still eligible as a leaned property or no? Is it now part of a new transaction and therefore untouchable by a balcho? That's the Gemara's question. Omar lehen, mitzvah The halacha is that it's a mitzvah for Yisomen to pay the chov of their parents. Hani kamoi mitzvah This first one, you gave, you did the mitzvah. And he still owes another 50. So you paid him 50 in cash, and now you have 50, 50 Zeus property left. Wonderful. So it's his to take. And that will balance out what he is owed, which is a total of 100. However, when is this true? This is only true, let me just review, is that you can take the same property twice if you are a Balcho. So here's what happened. He took 50. He took a property of 50, and he said, it's mine. And the family said, you're right, but we would rather have the property and give you 50 cash. So they took the property back and gave him 50 zoos. Great. He says, great, I'll take your 50 zoos and give me the property yet again. So the Gemara says <laughs> that's considered appropriate. However, there's a qualification, three-fourths of the way down. Below Amran, it is amazing that I feel the need to cough after like 60 seconds. Uh, you sound completely different. It's not normal. However, it's only true if when the family recollected the property, they didn't say this money is for that property. But if in fact they do say, we're giving you these 50 zoos, and in turn you're giving us back the property that you took, they have then removed the, the possibility of the balcho from double collecting on this property. End of sugya number one. There was a man who sold the rights to his mother's ksuba for something small. And he says to the person who he's doing a deal with, I'm telling you right now, if my mother comes along 
and she comes and says, I'm unhappy with this. Says the Gemara, I will not intercede on your behalf. This is a high risk proposition for you. You can go, you can, I'm buying something from you and you get the rights to the Ksuba in return. But I'm just telling you, if my mother shows up and says, hey, I want my Ksuba back, I'm not, I'm not interceding. I'm not interceding. And then Shriva Ime, his mother died, below Ir Ara. His mother died and there was no Ir Or and therefore we assume that uh, there's nothing that can be done about this property anymore. She died. There's nothing left to talk about. Says the Gemara, Then he, the son, he's the, he's the Yoresh. He's the, he's the son. I sold you the rights to my mother's ksuba. I told you that if my mother were to complain, I won't intercede on, on your behalf. It's a high-risk proposition. She dies. He becomes the Yoresh and he's Me'ar Er. So says the Gemara, how does that work? Rami Barhama wanted to say that he is in place of his mother. A reasonable argument. Again, even after the mother died, this document, the sale of the document remained a high-risk proposition for the buyer because since someone is alive who was either the owner or the Yoresh of that Ksuba, it therefore remains a high-risk proposition. Omar Lei Rava. Omar Lei Rava. Rava says, four lines from the bottom, Granted, he's not the same exact thing as his mother. Uh, however, he still has to be responsible for himself. The Rishonim explained that what this means is he can't just take the property without paying. It's not really his to be our heir. He's a Yorish, granted, but it's, it's different than being the mother herself. And therefore, he, he is able to take it. However, he would have to pay for it. It wouldn't be a total loss to the person. And basically... It was kind of like the question implied that only if the mother were to make an ear or would the buyer be out of uh, out of uh, his, what he invested. <laughs> that's what the Gemara says. And that's case number two for the day. We're now going to get into a number of cases, five cases to my count from here until the Mishnah on Sadi Gimel Amidale. All of these cases are slightly complicated and they all have to do with properties that were uh, that were sold either with or without a lien. And there, of course, are differences. If something is sold with a lien, then people who are your balchov can come collect from that property even after you sold it. If they're sold without a lien, to basically an insured product versus an uninsured purchase. Let's call them that way. An insured purchase and an uninsured purchase. That's what the Gemara says. Three lines from the bottom. Let's jump in. Omar Rami Barchama. Ruvain sells, sells a field to Shimon, and he does so with no lien. What that means is if Ruvain's Balechov go to Shimon and take that property, it's just too bad. There's nothing that can be said for it. There's no, he doesn't, he doesn't insure this property. Shimon takes that property, and then he sells back to Ruvain that same field, but he sells it with Achrayas. And then what happens? Top of Tzadi Beis Medalev, Vasabal Chov de Ruvain. Ruvain comes along and Vikatarif Lemine, and he takes a property away from him. So says the Gemara, Dinu Hu Azil Shimon because when Shimon resold the property to him, he did so with Achrayas. So Shimon has to go and be involved in this process and he has to go and, and try and support the lost field of Reuven, because when he sold him that field, he sold it with Achrayas. Shimon sold to Reuven with Achrayas. A Balchob of Reuven's came to take the field that Reuven just sold him. Shimon has to say, I sold it with Achrayas, so I'll repay you. Then the Gemara says, hold on one second. That's only the opinion of Rami Barchama. However, Omar Le Rava, but Achrayas to Afshem, 
doesn't really make sense. I could understand if a regular a, a, a regular um, Balchov could go over and take that field. But it's Ruvain's Balchov. It's not Shimon's Balchov. It's Ruvain's Balchov. And Ruvain was the one who received the field. That's considered unfair, according to Rava. And therefore, um, Shimon would not need to intercede in such a case. And therefore, uh, Umo de Rava, Rava would therefore agree in the following case. Beruvain, Sheyorash Sodem Yaakov, Ruvain inherited, inherited a field from Yaakov, and then Umachra Shimon Shalobach Rayas. So then we're going to go back <laughs> to a similar case. And then Shimon sells the field back to Ruvain, and this time with a lien. And one of the Balechov, not of Ruvain, but of Yaakov, who was the person who initially Yarshined it. And what did he do? And then he took that field. Dina, the halacha is in such a case. Then Shimon would have to get involved again. Why is that my time up? Because Balchov de Yaakov, ke Balchov de Al-Nadami. Because Yaakov is a step removed from Ruvain. Had it been Ruvain's Balchov, Rava wouldn't agree to, to Shimon needing to be involved. However, since the Balchov is one removed, and it's not um, Ruvain, but it's the person who was, it's, Yaakov, it's, it's Ruvain's father, Yaakov. So therefore, because it was his Balchov, therefore the Gemara says Shimon would need to be involved. All of that is case number one. Here is case number two. Third of the way down on Sadi Bez Madala. Omar Rami Barchama, Ruvain Shemochar Sadil Shimon Bachrayas. Ruvain sells a field to Shimon and it's insured. However, Shimon has yet to pay. And then Vizakaf Allah Bemalve. And then they turned the amount of money that Shimon owed to Ruvain for that field into a loan. So now it's no longer a regular purchase. Now the money that is owed is considered a halva, it's considered a loan. And then who makes Ruvain? So now Shimon owes the Yorshim of Ruvain this loan. So the property, Ruvain gives Shimon a property that's worth a thousand. Shimon says, I'm just waiting for my paycheck. I'll give you the thousand dollars next week. And Ruvain says, no problem, but let's actually make it the return of a loan. That was a good move for him because then that money becomes a Yerusha to the kids. So fine, that money is now a halva. <coughs> and then Ruvain dies. And then someone to whom Ruvain owed money, he came along, the Katari Flemi Shimon, and he comes to take this property that has Achrayas on it from Shimon, Ufai Sevezuze, and then he pays him money instead. What's the halacha? Dinahu, da Amri le Bene Ruvain, Anon, Metaltale Shavakavuchabach, the children of Ruvain, the Yasomim of Ruvain, the inheritors of Ruvain, they can say, We left alone by you. Um, and you can't give over this loan. This was the upside of it being a loan as well, is that it can't be it can't be given over to the <laughs> to the balecho of anybody else. Amar Rava, Rava says, if that person was actually very smart, if they knew halacha very well, then they would have done the following. We would have given them land. And then, and then we would have recollected the land. Yeah, you can give them the land to pay back, but we'd be able to recollect it. How so? Two-thirds of the way down. Yisomim, who collected karka as something that was a chov for their father. So in this case, Shimon hadn't paid yet. They go to Shimon and they collect the property. Great. So let Shimon give them the property. But if Shimon's also owed money for something else, or there's another balchov, then they can just go right back and collect that property. And that is case number two for the day. Case number three, eight lines from the bottom. 
Amar Rabba, Ruvain Shemachar Kol Sadosav Lashemin. So a go, he, he wants to sell all of his properties. <coughs> the Gemara says Ruvain sells all of his fields to Shimon. And then Shimon goes and he sells one of, let's say, the 10 fields that he bought from, uh, that Shimon bought from Ruvain, and Shimon sells one of them to Levi. Thus, Abal Chov de Ruvain, one of the Baal Chov, one of the people who Ruvain owes money to, he can collect either from Shimon or from Levi. Because even though Levi purchased the field from Shimon and Shimon purchased the field from Reuben, Levi is two degrees of separation. It's not just one. It doesn't matter. The halacha is, according to this sheet at least, that uh, a balchov can buy, can, can take any property that was initially owned by the seller, by the person who, who owes him money, even if it's multiple derivations away from him. So Reuben sold to Shimon, Shimon sold, sold to Levi, Levi sold, it doesn't matter. If the original seller was Ruvain and Ruvain owes me money, I can go to any of those people and say, sorry, you're out. Give me the field. I don't know. You have to look in the Rishonin for that. That's a great question. But based on the logic of why the second generation should get it, it should, it should keep going. Because there's no, the second person is no different than the third person in that they had nothing to do directly with Ruvain. So just... Logical progressions. I would assume that there's no limit. They will get paid back if it's a property that, that has insurance on it. They will get paid back. Uh, they'll get paid back from the person who sold it to them. So Levi would get paid back from Shimon. Yehuda would get paid back from Levi. They would get the money back as long as the property was insured. And that was a big motivator to always make sure that when you were doing these transactions, that you did so with fields that had insurance on them. Because it's not like things are now. And we've discussed this the other night. It's not like secular courts the way we have it. Right. This is very, very halachic in nature. And every case needs to be paskin uniquely and differently. We need to really know our stuff here. So I'm guessing to, to your question that it would be as far out as necessary. Um, and the Gemara actually calls that document as a star tiruf. A star tiruf is, um, I took Levi's property. Levi says, Shimon, this guy took the property. He says, I know, I sold you the property from Ruvain. So Shimon has to pay him and Ruvain has to pay him and all the money just dominoes back. So until everybody's even down. It, again, provided that it's an insured property. So in this case, um, a person can, a Balchov can collect from either Shimon or Levi. The Asa Balchov de Ruvain. And there's a Balchov of Ruvain, and uh, he can collect from either one. And four lines from the bottom, the Gemara qualifies this. Below Amran, El This is only true if what was sold to either Shimon and or Levi was Bainanis. Now, Bainanis is a reference to an average type of property. There are three types of properties, as we will see throughout Shas. We've seen references of this already in Shas a couple of times. Bainanis is average. Edis is the best type of property. And Ziboris is the garbage properties. So those are the three differences. And here, it will only be the case that a Balchov can collect from any from any of these properties if they're fields that are Bainanis. Avalzavna, Edis, Viziboris, if in fact <laughs> the fields that were sold were either top shelf or the worst kind, the argument could be these are not fields that you're allowed as a Balchov to come and take because had it, had it been that the owner wanted you to buy them, he would have sold you a normal field. You don't sell a Spitz field just so I can get collected from a Balchov. That obviously wasn't the intention here. You can only collect from a field that is Bainanis. It's almost like this assumption that 
You know, you, you, you can't go into someone's house and take diamonds in order to take your balance back. You can take the sofa, <laughs> you can, but you can't take this like extremely hush of unique item. And also the super garbage fields, you, you anyways wouldn't want them. The motivator here, of course, is the nicer fields. Gamar says only if it's Benunis. Ubenunis nami lo amranel de lo shavak benunis kabasa. This is a nice nuance. The Gemara says Benunis also, you can't collect from both of them unless they both have them. If Shimon doesn't have a Benunis in his property, and he only has Idis or Zibris. So then there's no collecting at all. It can only be when uh, both of them have a Bainanis in their properties. They both bought Bainanis from Ruvain. Uh, Shimon bought it directly. And then Lady bought it from Shimon. Aval, turning to the top of Tzadi Beis and Beis. My neighbor learns Dafyomi by himself. And his qualification when he learns it by himself is he has to learn all of the Rashis and all of the Toswasim. Yeah. So he came over to my house on, uh, on, on Yom Kippur night. I think I had just gotten home from Shul. He's like, do you have the uh, Masifta to help me get through this massive Toswas? I said, no, I don't. But there's one next to my seat in the car if you want. So he learns all of the Toswasim. Halavai, we should all be Zoha. These are beautiful Tosasim to go through. They're a lot of fun. They're very challenging. There's cross-learning in the sugyas, which is a classic profile of Tosvos. Right, correct. The very short ones are they're more cryptic. Um, Tosvos happens to be... Yeah, Tosvos happens to be one of the hardest Rishonim to learn properly uh, because the breadth of knowledge is so vast and so perfect that every word is a nuance. It's like, uh, let's say, a nuclear chemist. It's like two nuclear chemists talking to each other about... You know how uh, I don't even know how to finish the sentence. I don't know what they talk about. And I grew up in the home of a nuclear chemist. So uh, radioisotopes. There you go. That's about as far as I go. And I was the science kid in the family. No other science kids. But if in fact um, there was a Bainanist left over, if both Shimon and Levi do have in their possession a Bainanist, then it's reasonable that the Balchov can go and collect from one of those Bainanist properties. In other words, the Gemara is giving this gestalt that like, it's obvious that it was meant to be collected from a Bainanist, and there's no collecting from the Chashiva places. Case number four, Dafsadi Beis and Beis, second line. Amar Abaye. Ruvain sells a field to Shimon with uh, insurance. And one of Ruvain's goes over to Shimon and takes the property. So Dina, who the halacha is, the Azil Ruvain, the Ruvain has to get it, get involved and he has to help solve the problem. He sold a property with insurance. He has to take responsibility. And the Balchov, the Balchov can't say to Ruben, get out of here. I'm not dealing with you. Ruben, you can't say that to Ruben. It's an insured property. That whatever you take from him is going to end up coming out of my pocket. It's an insured property. So Reuben gives an insured property to Shimon. And one of Reuben's Balechov goes over to Shimon and chops the property. And he says to Shimon, it's mine. Uh, Reuben owes me money. Shimon says, okay, great. I'm going back to Reuben for, to get my money back. So of course he's allowed to get involved. And the Baldin of Reuben can't say, I'm not dealing with you. You are dealing with me indirectly. It says the Gemara, not only that, the Ika de Amri, here's an even more extreme case. Even if Reuben sold a field to Shimon with no insurance, Still, Ruvain's allowed to get involved. Why? Because I made a transaction with Shimon. Granted, there was a little bit of risk built in because Shimon brought a property, brought, bought a property from me that didn't have insurance. But Lemaisef, I don't get involved and do what I can to help Shimon. 
Shimon's going to think badly of me, right, wrong, or ugly. It's, he, he was a big boy. He made the decision on his own. It's not my obligation, but I, I'm allowed to help him. So therefore, the Baldin cannot say to Ruben, I'm not involved. Obviously, this is an Ikata Amre, which means it's not a staple. It's not an assumption that it's an obligation, but it is what the Gemara says. Case number five, last line of Tzadi Beis, and Beis, the Gemara says, Gemara Abaye, Let's say that Reuven sold a field to Shimon without Achrayas. What are Asikin? Top of Dafzadi Gimel and Top Rashi. People who are going to complain. So I made this transaction. So Shimon's like, whoa, hold on one second. I didn't make a Kenyan yet. I don't want to get involved with you, Ruvain. You're giving me a property without insurance, and there's Balitin already knocking on my door. I am not interested in being involved in this transaction. And the Gemara says that Shimon is allowed to back out of the transaction up until a certain point. Only if he didn't make a Kenya yet, if he wasn't machzik the property. We'll see what that parameter is in a couple of minutes. Well, actually, less than that. So, But Misha Hichzigba. From the time that Shimon was machzik the property, he can no longer back out, even if the ballet dinner is going to show up, because now the transaction is complete. This was a bag of knots, and you should have looked inside to see what you're getting. In other words, whenever you buy a product, look at it before you buy. You ever rent a car? Oh, sir, would you please walk around the car with me to make sure that there is no marks? You got to know what you're getting into. I've found scratches on cars before and made them mark them off. On the, we've all probably done that because you got to know what you're getting into. So the Gemara says, too bad, too bad. You bought a, you, you bought something with no insurance on the property. A Baldin showed up. That's your problem. Don't buy things without it. That's why you're paying a lower cost because you're getting lower a lower product. Fine. From at what point is it considered where Shimon now owns the property such that he can no longer back out because the Bali dinner there, says the Gemara, Amitri, when he starts to walk around the borders. That's already a sign of ownership. You know, like one, it, this, we're beyond the Kenyan part here. This is like, oh, I want to go see, I, I want to walk on the field for the first time as the owner. So then the Gemara says that that's considered enough. We need to get involved in some of that. We don't have time, but we need to get involved here in some of the lumdas of, are we not talking about a regular Kenyan? Daisha Mitzri is not a Kenyan. Daisha Mitzri. So it seems to be that we're after it's post Kenyan. Eh? What? I don't know. Sabris. Daisha Mitzri. Leda Mahitzricha, the end of Tosvos there. Goli Daite Shakibla. The end of Tosvos Tibrahamaskil Umeemas by the end of the thin lines. Mishihzik Baeno Yacholaksarbo, Meemas Havya Chazaka, Pirish. Meemas, Meemas Havya Hahi Chazaka. Chazaka is not a language of Kenyan. It's a halachic assumption. The Amrinan Gali Daite Shakibla, the whole Indian. Mishidaisha Mitra Leda Maitricha. Yeah. Why is that the Gilui? It's a Gilui Milsa. Is that a Kenyan? Yeah. Okay, that's what the Gemara says. So it says, mm-hmm. Even with Achrayas, he's not allowed to back out. You can't back out. If you have a, a case where there's a, 
where there's a tier, if you get a star tier roof, then pay me back. In this case, there won't be one that's your loss, but just too bad for you. You got to be careful what deals you make with people. I sold you a lower cost property because it doesn't have insurance. Whenever we buy properties now, you go to the store, you buy a bicycle, you buy a, a computer service. You like to have uh, insurance with that. You know, you're always paying for your insurance. And what happens if your computer breaks and it's day 91? <laughs> yeah, it stinks for you. You should have paid for the extra for the extra couple of years. It only cost you $5.99. So that's what we're paying for. This guy lost out. Okay, new Mishnah. We're going to learn uh, until about a third from the bottom of the page, a little bit less, and then we'll stop and we'll pick up on Shabbos. Misha Haya Nasui Shalosh Nashim. A man was married to three women. Umes. I don't know if it's, it's, is that why he died. Did he die subsequently? I don't know. The Gemara is uh, the Mishnah. <laughs> so the Gemara says the man, that this part I might need to edit for the first time in, uh, yes. in a thousand blocks. So man's married to three women and then he dies. However, the ksubas that he had with each of the women were different. Ksubasa shalzumana, one of them was only a hundred. Vishalzuma saim, the first wife, we'll call her uh, whatever. Let's say Rachel, Chanina, Rachana, and Penina. Okay, so Rachel's was a hundred. Vishalzuma saim, the second one was two hundred. Vishalzu shlosh mils. And the third wife had a ksuba of three hundred. So what happens if he has a very small amount of money? He only has $100 to his name, 100 mana. <laughs> what do we do? He has $600, 600 zuz that mana that he owes, 100 plus 200 plus 300, wife one, two, and three respectively. But every wife gets 33 and a third. <laughs> if in fact there were 200, if we just stopped right here, what would our assumptions be? You divide by three. It's not what the Gemara says, but not really, because says the Gemara, Shelmana, Shelmana, the woman, wife number one, whose ksuba is only a hundred. What does she get? No, tell us, Chamishin. She gets 50. How much is left? 150. And Shelmasayim Vishal Shalosh Meos, Shlosha Shlosha Shel Zahav. What's Shlosha Shlosha Shel Zahav? So take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, Shalosh Shel Zahav. Shlosha dinare zav, chol dinar zav esrim v'chamisha dinare kesef. So each one is 25, meaning each person gets 75. That's 150. So wife number one gets 50. Wife number two, let's just be more clear. Wife number one, whose soup is 100, gets 50. Wife number two, whose soup is 200, gets 75. And wife number three, whose soup is 300, also gets 75. Strange delineations. The Gemara is going to discuss this. If the husband had 300 manos to his name, so Shalmana, the woman whose ksub is 100, no teles chamishim, same as before. The Shalmasayim mana. This already looks like a theme. Each of them get half of what they owed. The Shalmasayim, the woman who was supposed to get 300, she gets Shisha Shal Zahav, which is 150. Everybody gets half. That case seems a little bit more reasonable than the first case, which... But it's inconsistent with the other cases. What? It's inconsistent it's, with the previous case. Everybody gets half. Correct. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, the first case needs more parish than the second case. That's for sure. V'chein, and similarly, the Gemara makes an equation, Gimel Shehitilu Lakis, three people who put their money into a kis, which basically means three people who invested into a business together. And then uh, then they had to, what are they called, divestments or whatever, disbursements? I don't know what I'm talking about. Then the Gemara says, Pichsu Ohosiru, 
if there were, is either an increase or a decrease, kach hein cholken. They divide the same way. W which way? The lot. So one's talking about ksuba and one's talking like marriage and what. Bones business, if I put in 20%, I'll get a 20% stake. You get a 40%. But the, the Gemara here, let's assume with, with Pashtas over here that the Gemara is saying like the second case where everyone gets their due, their due amount, whatever it is. With the amount of money that we get, we'll give each of you the percentage that's due. That is the second case of our Mishnah because each wife got half of the available money. But according to this, it also implies that that's only true when there is enough money for each person to get half. But if there was less than enough money for everyone to get half, we'd make the same cockamamie mathematics that we did in the ratio of the Mishnah, which we don't even understand yet because we haven't learned the Gemara that we're about to learn. So let's learn the Gemara that we're about to learn. Yep. Why is what where? This whole thing about the well, I mean, the, if I had to answer the Mishnah, the answer is standing in front of you, which is that because these cases are halachically identical, even though conceptually the cases are different, the Mishnah is able to accomplish a lot with six words. So they're going to say, whatever halachas we're teaching by, by Ksuba, same is true by people who are throwing money into an investment, whatever. I mean, that, it has to be that way because the Mishnah said v'chein, but it has to be that way. Both, well, <laughs> okay, that's a that's a good that's a deeper way of saying what I was saying. Yeah. All right, let's dig into the first case and try to understand it, and then we're going to stop at the next two dots. chamishim. I don't understand. Says the Gemara. Why would the wife get fifty? vitilsa, hu isla. Her portion should have only been thirty-three. What was the case? There was only a hundred zoos to a hundred mana to go around. If, if they divide that money, she doesn't deserve 50. At the maximum, if we're going percentages, at the maximum, she should have gotten a third. Why is she getting half of her ksuba when the other women are getting a quarter of their ksuba? Percentages. It's a percentage question. The Gemara is bothered. Why is she getting anything more than a third? So says the Gemara, because we were missing some critical information in our Mishnah, Omar Shmuel, because the wife who has a ksuba of 200 says to the wife who has a ksuba of 100, I have no interest in being in this transaction with you. Which means that when the math is done, the math of woman number one only factors in woman number three. And therefore, there's only two women. Half of 100 is 50. And that's why she took 50, because there's a new kimta happening here that we didn't know about. That wife number two says wife number one, I, I, I get me out of here. Why? Why? She said that it doesn't matter right now. But that's what she said. She took a loss. She took a loss. And remember, not only did she take a loss, but the Mishnah also allocated money to her. Right. So let's look back in the ratio of the Mishnah. What did we say? We said that the woman, uh, the, the woman who had Masayim, Hayusham, uh, what was the case? Though that, that was the case of mana. Sorry. In the case of mana, every she got 50. Uh, hold on, let me just get the cases right. What was the first case? That if there was 100, there was what? 100? So that was thirds. So we're talking about the case of Hayusham Masayim, right? Okay, good. So then that woman still got three 
coins, which totaled 75. Woman number two, who she said that she was no longer doing the math from. So the Gemara asks on that now. I don't understand. They both got shalosh, shalosh, shal zahav. If you're saying that woman number one's math equation excluded woman number two, so why did woman number two get any of the money? So says the Gemara, a very difficult line. Uh, let me just finish the question. Sorry, jumped the gun. Get out of here. Why, would you, why are you getting anything? You said, I'm out. Get me out of here. So says the Gemara, Mishum de Amra la, midinu dvarim only, who disliki nafshai. It's just from you personally. I'm not interested, but it wasn't about the money, which is a very, very hard answer because we still did the math for woman number one that she should still get 50, which is above her third that she really should have deserved. So this answer really does require uh, a little bit of Rishonim. Let's take a look at Rashi, the second of the middle width lines of Rashi, two thirds of the way down. Just to fight with you. I'm only going to take my part from the half that I'm not fighting with you about. So once you got yours, once you got your yours, I so from you. Well, how much therefore, how much do you get? 50. But now I'm back in the game between me and wife number three. And therefore, we're going to split 75, 75. That's what the Gemara says. We'll stop right here. Mir Hashem on Shabbos. We'll pick up with the rest of this Daf, Daf Tzadi Gimel, and learn Daf Tzadi Dalat as well. Wishing you all a beautiful night.